I'm Andy Bush. This is the Hometime Show, and I want to tell each and every one of you that I am an Everton fan. I'm a proud blue. This music is like the Eye of Thundera from Thundercast for any Evertonian, no matter what they're doing, tilling the fields, lifting stuff, packing the car. They just stand upright and look into the distance. Now, the reason I'm playing Zed Cars is that I've had this Everton key ring for donkey's years. Little Everton shirt on my keys. And I always think that sometimes if I'm in a bar or whatever, someone else will see that and think, oh, he's, a, he's an Evertonian. He seems like a good guy. I'll go and chat to him. Hasn't worked that often. But it's fallen off. Uh, so I don't know whether this is a sign or something like that, but my Everton key ring is broken. It's defunct. It's fallen off. So I thought maybe it's time for a change. So there's providence in this, maybe. So I'm coming to you today in this hour of the Hometime Show asking for advice. I would say your key ring says a lot about the kind of person that you are. Your ethos in life is a way for you to show other people a little signal, a little thing about you. So just let me know what you've got, because I'm looking for inspiration here. Colin has got two bottles of champagne that says Fizz Friends, and I almost want to kill him. And he says, I made this key ring in year seven, in brackets, first year for us oldies, for my dad. I inherited it back when he died. It's a lovely thing, kind of the passage of time, the circle of life. Dr. Seuss from TV has offered me her Live A Bird Liverpool key ring. Someone's just texted to say, maybe get a key ring with 1995 on it. Let's not go down that route, all right? I'm just sharing my passion with Everton Football Club. Thanks very much. And just saying now, please let me know what you have on your keys as I'm looking for inspiration. So my mind is open here because... Like I said earlier on, your key ring says a lot about the kind of person that you are. The, the people at Britpop Memories have tweeted to say, uh, this is what they've got, they've sent a photo, this is what they've got on their key ring. Two Lego Star Wars men, club card, ocean colour scene key ring, blood donation key ring, fake one pound for the trolleys, a nice fob for signing up for the DKMS stem cell register. Throwing everything at it there. We've got Will, who's calling from his truck right now. Will, what have you got in your keys? Well, when my son was born, we had the, you know, the, when they had to cut the card and they put the little clasp on, don't they? Yeah. Well, all the goo coming out or whatever it is that comes out. <laughs> goo. Well, when that actually falls off in the end, when you go to the health care centre, they said, do you want to keep it as like a memento? Well, at the end of it, it's like a little circle and you could have posted through your key ring, through your key ring. Yeah. It's just on the keys. Wow, so you have your son's uh, umbilical cord clasp on your key rings right now as we speak, Trucker Will. Yes, I do. And how old's your lad now? Uh, he's 14. <laughs> That's amazing. What an amazing thing. I love that. Yeah, cool. I should have done it with my daughter as well, but obviously didn't think of it then. So my, my daughter was born first. That's unbelievable. Listen, good to speak to you. Have a brilliant Thursday night. Cheers, Will. Cheers, mate. Louis says he's got part of a 747 uh, skin, which I think must be the technical term for the outside of it. Otherwise, it sounds a bit weird. He's got a club card and his Waitro card as well. Uh, do anyone else ever feel quite bad when you've got all the different loyalty cards of all the different supermarkets, like a fanned-out deck of 52 cards when you go to pay for something? Uh, do, you, do you feel like they might take that quite badly, the cashier working at the till? Uh, Rui's got a Death Star key ring, and Digital Griff says he's got a thing called a tile, which I've never heard of before. Apparently, you press a button on your phone and your keys will start ringing. Technology today is amazing, isn't it? Adam says, this is my key ring. He's tweeted a photo of it. It's the axe from The Shining, which doubles as a bottle opener. He says, I'm not sure what that says about me. Uh, James says, I have the Lego Darth Vader and a Millennium Falcon bottle opener. A lot of bottle openers going on this evening. That's why I love you guys. Uh, Dave's got Joe Sugden for the win. as a photo of some fella off... Is it Emmerdale? I've never watched Emmerdale in my life. Apparently, Joe Sugden for the win. 
Meanwhile, I've got Michael on the phone. Michael, mate, what have you got as your key ring? Right, what it is, in the 1980s, I used to play a lot of fruit machines, you know, the 10p ones. Right. And uh, what I did, I prized one of the buttons off, put it on my key ring, and it's been on my key ring ever since. <laughs> so so you... it's on the 1980s, or 1983, something like that. An yeah. actual fruit machine from back in the day. What, what's the theme? Because they all had, like, different themes, didn't they, well, the fruit it machines? Was, it, it, it's just a button on the front. So um, this one was, I can't recall the name of it now, probably something like Nudge Hustler or something like that. Yeah, and the idea was, you have to nudge, you, you, you get your nudges, yep. nudge down your three melons, right. and win your two quid. Yeah, so I've, so I've had it on my key ring now for about 30 years. Well, I've got to be in it. That's good, isn't it, mate? And what, when was the last time you got to play a fruit machine? Because you don't see them these days, do you? Ah, no, you see, right. I, I'm into my old fruit machines and my old video games. So there are some places in the country yeah. you can actually go and play old video games and old fruit machines. Because back in the day, right, you go to a nightclub and there was a cigarette machine in there and a fruit machine in there. Fruit machine and a nightclub, just a normal thing. Nowadays, you don't see them that very often. So where, where can I go to to go and play on a fruity in 2021? OK, right. Um, there's some places in London. You, there's some places... Even if you go to Western Supermare, where, near where I come from, right. they've still got some old fruit machines and some old video games. You, it takes you back to the 80s, mate. That's what you've got to do. Good lad. Lovely to speak to you. Keep it real. Cheers. Bye. Can I be honest with you? We're one big family here on this radio show, so I'm going to be honest. I'm going to speak off the record, but on the record. Uh, I want to tell you about something that I do that I absolutely hate myself for, right? I hate that I keep starting things and never finish them. So I'm always starting things off and then I get bored like a cat and then kind of walk off and then go over the other side of the room for a bit and start something else, but leave that other bit unfinished. And I really beat myself up about it. And I always admire people, you know, people who are really passionate about just one thing. And that's all they do. That's they, they just focus their attention on that. Like they might be into speedway or really love their motorbikes or archaeology. I really admire people like that because it's just quite focused on one thing. But me, I just get excited about something and then get into it for a bit and then leave it and walk off. And it really winds me up. So, uh, for example, I bought two harmonicas over lockdown. I kid you not. Bought two mouth organs over lockdown. Did one online lesson. Never flipping picked them up again. They're still on top of the filing cabinet in our landing. And I signed up for Duolingo. You know, French classes. Uh, and I did it for a few months then gave up. And now if I even see that owl, you know, the little Duolingo owl, and, it, and he always pops up with like really knockabout, overly familiar little things like, hey Andy, did we do something to annoy you? I just don't want to see it. So what I thought I would do, because surely this isn't just me that starts things and never finishes them. In this hour of the Home Time Show tonight, I want to launch the Tomb of Unfinished Things. And what we can do is we can admit it and then put it in the tomb, a bit like a time capsule like they used to do on Blue Peter, and then never have to deal with it again because it's out of sight, out of mind. So if you've got going on something, even if it's like a, a, a box set or a series where you've thought, well, yeah, let's watch this together, done two episodes and you can't be bothered. Like The Terror, I started watching The Terror which is a fantastic kind of naval thing about the people getting trapped on in the Arctic and everything like that, is really, really good. Even features Tommy Tummy from Gigglebiz. Spotted him. Can't be bothered to watch the rest of it. Madeline says, I started making cookies when we were in lockdown, but listen to this, but I ate all the cookie dough before they could even become cookies. That's outrageous. In the tomb. Forget about it. Lizette says, I did the same with the violin. I wanted to play electric violin, but I had a couple of lessons and then wasn't interested anymore. See, it's, I knew it's not just me. Uh, Rich says, he started Designated Survivor on Netflix, never finished it. Me too. Do you remember Rich, he recommended it? I can say it because he's not here. Worst thing I've ever seen in my life. 
Uh, Jackie Mansfield, who sounds like a QC, says, I currently have ten unfinished crochet projects and I'm desperate to start someone else. Uh, Judy says, I bought some tap shoes during lockdown. I did a full jazz hands Lionel Blair tribute, freestyle, obviously, and now they're gathering dust under the stairs. Uh, we've had loads of West Country people on the blower this evening. Absolutely love it. We've got Buzz from Chippenham on the line right now. What are you putting in the tomb of unfinished things, my friend? I started doing juggling to try and impress my daughter. <laughs> uh, and so you said you started doing juggling. What, what were you doing? Learning on YouTube? Got us, uh, someone from a circus in to train you? No, I, I, well, YouTube and uh, a book that said teach yourself to a dummy's guide to, to juggling. Fantastic. And wh- where would you practice this? In the lounge? Do you have to go in the garden for this kind of thing? Uh, both. Garden, garden when it's nice and uh, lounge when it's not. And how many how many things could you juggle and what were you juggling at the height of your skills? Uh, I got two. I've nearly got three, but I kept, like, every time it's rotation going around, it just fly off on the other side of the room, so a bit embarrassing. And what were you using, balls or stuff from around the house? Uh, I bought these special leather balls, trying to be really clever and make it look really professional and failed busy. They're now sat on the book, <laughs> on my table, doing nothing. Uh, how old's your daughter? What's her name? And what's her view on all of this? Uh, her name's Ava. She is five. Uh, she still thinks I'm a hero because I keep every now and again try when she looks at them. I feel a bit guilty, so I pick them up and try. So. <laughs> Love it. Fantastic, mate. Good to speak to you. Have a great Thursday night. Thank you, and yourself. Anne says, three Christmases ago, I asked my son for a ukulele. I did one lesson and gave up. Two Christmases ago, I asked my son for a small steel drum tongue instrument. I'm not sure. I played it for about 30 minutes and I got bored. Last Christmas, he got me chocolates. Kylie's on the line. Kylie, what have you started but not finished? Uh, marathon training. <laughs> right, so you started marathon training. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I got all the stuff. I got trainers, which are about £120. I got all the kit and everything. My other half had, like, run the London Marathon. He was like, yeah, we'll do it. I'll do it with you. It's fine. I was like, yeah, okay then. So we started, got up to about three, four miles, something like that. And that was it. I was done. <laughs> so it, you had an epiphany. You had a road to Damascus turnaround during one of your first ever training sessions. Yeah, I think it was like the third one in because we went mile and then second mile and then third mile, and I was like, "Nah, I'm done with this. <laughs> I need, I need wine. <laughs> get me, <laughs> get me some wine." And what did you have so a half think about it? What did you think about your commitment at this stage? <laughs> he just, he just says to me, "I'm never doing anything with you ever again because oh. you start stuff and you never finish it." <laughs> well, we're going to put this into the tomb of unfinished things. So you don't have to worry about it again. But can I be honest Perfect. with you? I, I've tried running a couple of times. It's awful. It's absolutely oh. awful. Why do people do it? I don't know. I don't understand the enjoyment. It's not enjoyable. Sitting down with a glass of wine is far more enjoyable. Fantastic. Rather than like, I don't know, you need to see people go past you and they're like sweating cobs and all running at a weird angle like it's from a zombie movie with a really wet shirt on and it's freezing cold. It's like, just go home. Yeah, just go home, watch a film, have a glass of wine, put the world to rights and that's it. It's done. You don't even have to worry about running ever again. It's perfect. Kylie for Prime Minister. Kylie for Prime Minister. Exactly. Thank you. Home time show on a Thursday night with me, Andy Bush. How's it going? I hope you're doing okay. A real honour to welcome to the show a beloved member of the Absolute Radio family and the star of, no offence to Matt Dyson, the star of rock and roll football, it's Matt Ford. Oh, Bush, it's so good. I listen to your show every day. Bless you. And it's a it's a pleasure to be on it. 
This is um, this feels Thank like you. a dream come true. Oh, it's, it's an honour to have you on. I feel like we've talked to you a few times uh, through the ups and downs of the lockdown, almost like you're uh, a fly on the wall documentary mini series within Home Time, just checking in on you, like that program yeah. where they they film kids from when they're a kid and then right the way through to adulthood. Do you know that one? Seven up. So that's Seven it. Up. This is one up with Matt Ford. <laughs> Good job it's not a threes up. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's something very different. After 9pm, later on, over on our new digital station. So how are you getting on? How are things? Like, you, are you allowed out and about now, Matt? You're, you're yeah, at large? Yeah, I'm allowed out and about. Um, the, the only problem is, is I've got gout. Oh, my word. Now, I, I, I mentioned this on the show the other week, oh. only because my dad uh, had gout quite a lot when we were kids. And it, at the mm. time, we were calling him Henry, VIII, Henry VIII and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but it's yeah. quite a weird, old-school kind of um, illness. It's quite common, though. I, I mentioned it on the show. I had loads of people recommending different cures and stuff for you. So give us an update on that. Yeah, well, it's so during the first lockdown, I shielded because of my asthma, and then I was finally allowed out, and I got gout in my foot, which meant I couldn't move anyway. Oh, so it's so. I have to be. I have to try and see the positive. I've not had a pint since the twenty eighth of November. Wow. And I have to just think, and I see the positive. Thank God this happened when the pubs were shut, <laughs> which obviously is changing. But <laughs> yeah. it's been quite easy to stick to it. It's but supposed it to be very painful. It's supposed to be really, really painful. Pain like you wouldn't believe. It's like having your foot in a vice, and and painkillers just don't touch it. So it's it's the, the these the the uric acid in your blood reaches saturation point and then moves into your soft tissue in javelin shaped crystals. Oh my word, that's so like horrendous. A, yeah, it's a medieval, and and obviously it's like telling someone you've got like cholera or leprosy or something. It's so old fashioned. It, it does. People can't believe. It's like whooping cough. It sounds like something that Cadfile, the old uh, monk herbalist, <laughs> might get a cure for. Like, is there like a weird cure for it? Like a that tie uh, dandelions around your neck or something like that? How do you cure it? You know what? Well, with with strong medication, thanks to the modern era. But also, I've heard that cherries and apple cider vinegar are good for it. So every morning, as well as my strong medication, I have ch- a shot of sour sour cherry juice, which is disgusting, yeah. followed by a shot of Apple cider vinegar, which is disgusting. Wow. I actually dread getting out of bed in the morning now, because I'm like, my mouth is about to be put through a terrible ordeal. <laughs> so can you, are you allowed to, I mean, this is not the point, but are you allowed to have a, a tipple in the future? What's what's the the, the future for you and, and uh, having a, a like a shandy and stuff? Well, this is the thing. So I, I spoke to my, I thought I was going to be able to drink on the 18th of May, and right. I was wrong. So I spoke to my doctor and I said, uh, when do you think I could drink again? And he went, <laughs> September. And he went, and he said, September. And I went, oh man, the Euros. And he went, what? I said, the football. <laughs> and it was one of those awful things where he's tried to do football chat, but he obviously doesn't really follow football because he went, oh, you're a football guy. Yeah, what team do you support? I said, oh, Nottingham Forest. And he went, yeah, we'll take the first tablet three times a day. And the second one, I just like, didn't even acknowledge it. He just went, right, and moved immediately on. Oh, man, it was so embarrassing. But I said to him, and this felt tragic. I said, look, I need. I don't want to sound like I've got a problem, but drinking is important for me for relaxing. Like I need to know when I can drink again. And he went, yeah, because you know you could get back to having them, um, you know, two pints. No, he didn't say pints. He said glasses. Oh he my went, word! Two glasses of lager on a Saturday. I was like, 
I felt like Del Boy. I was like, Doc, I need to be able to drink more than two glasses. Grabbing by the collar. L- the Pels, that old school kind of, listen to me here. Well, speaking of football very quickly, <laughs> rock and roll football, in your, your tenure at the helm of rock and roll football, I always see rock and roll football as like uh, Time Lords in Doctor Who, where you'll regenerate <laughs> in a few years, replace with another person and then a, an, a, an, a, an assistant as well, like Dyson. But in your tenure at the helm of rock and roll football, you've, uh, you've witnessed some unprecedented stuff in the game. You know, at the moment, with you know the the Super League and all that kind of stuff, and then playing to empty stadiums because of COVID. About every time you sit down with Matt at the weekend, you can't believe what you've you've seen. The Super League is one of the funniest things because from the moment it was announced, it was obvious it wasn't going to happen. I've never been so sure of anything um, ever. <laughs> so it was just what you know. What really makes me laugh about it is, and I say this as a football fan, football fans as a profile, as a demographic, are not known for being calm, reasonable people. (laughs) They are arguably the most livid fan base on the planet. If you're going to muck about with something, don't muck about with football. The idea that they would just sort of roll over and accept this... I just thought you're 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 annoying a group of people that like argue over the smallest things. That's what's great about football is it literally there's a whole industry in this country of magazines, radio stations, and our show's one of them that enjoy the madness of football. Yeah. What did you think the reaction was going to be? It's weird because these are all people who are incredibly successful in their own fields and everything like that as well. So they're not stupid people and they've had a long time creeping around in the shadows to plan this thing. So you just look back on it and think, like you say, uh, did you genuinely think people were just going to go, well, all right then, it's just the game evolving, etc. You know what? It reminds me of Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares. Yes. When these people who do okay, like running a car showroom, think, I'm going to open a restaurant. Yeah. Do not go into <laughs> owning restaurants or pubs or football clubs if you don't know how those things are run. Because from what little I know from how football clubs are run, mainly from what I glean from watching Sunderland Till I Die, it's really hard to make money out of them. And it's basically chaos. You can sign some of the best players in the world and it still doesn't work. Yep. Why would you want to get involved? This is it. I mean, you know, and if you watch Sunderland Till I Die, the thing that always still completely flabbergasts me with that brilliant Netflix series is the, the use of last-minute faxing on transfer deadline <laughs> days. So what's going on with that? I know! Email! Just use email! Why are people still faxing? Uh, I tell it's you- so old-fashioned. Mind you, I've got gout, so it's kind of... Old-fashioned things are kind of fine by me. <laughs> They're back in at the moment. And, and Gary Neville ca- came forth from the, the chaos, almost like a potential uh, in the running for being Prime Minister down the line. Don't you think he came out of it particularly well? That, that initial reaction to it is one of the best pieces of telly I've ever seen because he's one of the few people that manages to really be passionate and sound like he's about to burst, but his vocabulary still remains quite broad and he can make a, a really <laughs> articulate point. And then obviously, what's really funny is him and Carragher basically get squeakier the angrier they get. So he's yeah. like, oh, Manchester United, I can't believe this football club. Man United, Manchester United, Liverpool. And, and then Carragher's there going, I, I, I can't believe it either. I grew up, I'm a football fan. I'm passionate about these communities. I can't believe it. Liverpool are done. It was one of the most, it went from naught to a thousand. From the guy going, we've got breaking news here of a new European Super League. And then those two just piled in on it. And literally a day later, the European Super League has been cancelled. So is this, a re, is this a rebalance of power or is this them just going back to the drawing board and they'll be back, if you know what I mean? Well, the thing with it is I don't think people would necessarily be against, in principle, a new thing. It's not that people fear change. Yeah. It was that 
it, it was the abolition of relegation for the founder members, which just goes against sport. We have a Champions League where the best can play the best if they qualify. And if they don't, well, then that season, they weren't the best. That's the very principle of sport. So it's not as if though fans don't want a new trophy or for existing competitions to be run in a different way. The, the, the fundamental problem with, with it was that these clubs were just going to stitch it all up for themselves. And as Gary Neville says, Arsenal aren't even in the top six in England. So what are they doing? It's, it's the whole, good point. I have to say, I thought the whole thing actually was a really brilliant distraction from COVID and a really exciting... Because you, it was just obvious it wasn't going to happen. So you can have so much fun with it as a fan. Just it was everyone slagged it off. It was a terrible idea, and it rightly died. Uh, and do you know, what, the, talking about the whole thing of coming together and, and in unison, uh, I thought it was amazing what you guys did uh, the other weekend on Rock and Roll Football, where you, you joined in with the social media blackouts to stand against online abuse. It was important that Rock and Roll Football did that as well. You say. I think so, and I think it was important that everyone possible got involved. Obviously, football has had specific problems in the past with racism and dealing with it. Footballers at the moment and football supporters face racist abuse online and elsewhere. And I cannot believe that social media companies... And it's not just about the bits of abuse that are explicit, that have the C word in it, or, or really bad racial swear words in them, or homophobic stuff or sexist stuff. It's in general, the way people talk to each other, particularly on Twitter, is vile. Yeah. And I just think all of us have a responsibility to get involved with those. When, when there's a big campaign on and you have the chance to, to take a stand, you have to take it because football is... What's great about football is it, it kind of exists in its own world and you can enjoy it purely in that. But it doesn't just exist in a vacuum. It, it does tell us something about wider society. And if football, you know, for so many years... In our lives, Bush, football has been behind the times yep. on things like race and gender and sexuality. Yeah. It was way behind where society was. And now we're in an opportunity now we're in a position where football actually gets to lead and gets to use all that goodwill to try and do something really positive for everyone. And I just think we all have to get involved with it. And that's not just radio stations or shows and presenters, but just fans, citizens, people. And you don't even have to be a football fan. If if there's a big campaign to get involved with this stuff then I think we all have to do it, and that's how you change the world, in a small way, hopefully. Absolutely, and and just looking from moving that in terms of activism to your... You're very busy at the moment, Matt. You've got the Political Party podcast specials going on. We're going to be in front of a... God, God even thinking about it, a, a live studio audience. Oh, mate, I can't wait. I've not been on stage for about a year and a half, um, which some people would say has been one of the few positives of COVID. <laughs> But to be able to be back on stage in the West End as well. So I'm doing two nights at the Garrick and one night at the Vaudeville. They're beautiful venues. They'll be socially distanced um, and they're all being done under COVID rules. But just to be back on stage... Well, are you a bit scared about stepping out there again? Because, like, you know, people keep, you know, kind of uh, match sharp, don't they, by just doing it and doing it and doing it. Then if you've not done it for ages, it must be a little bit kind of... And the same goes for bands and, you know, other types of performers, I guess. You know what? I just I'm just too excited. I'm I'm just I I'm not really nervous in any way. I, just, I can't wait to get back out there. I can't wait to go and watch shows as well, let alone yeah. perform them. I just think those first shows back are going to be incredible for performers and audiences. I think there's going to be something really special in the air. Um, and I just I'm just itching. I, you know, they're in a few weeks' time, and I just I cannot tell you how excited I am. It's like a, it's like a Christmas is coming. It just the thrill of being able to go back on stage in front of other people. And put on a show. You know, that's why I do this sort of work is I, I just, I love performing live. And for the, for the last year or so, that's not been possible. So now that it's back, 
even in a socially distanced way, it's just such a thrill. Uh, you've got some amazing guests. Tell, tell us who you're going to be chatting to. So, that each night is a politically balanced night. So, on uh, the 24th of May, Monday the 24th, I'm joined by Peter Mandelson and Saeed Avasi, who are both two of the funniest people, even aside from politics, two really funny big characters. Yeah. On the 25th of May, it's Andrea Ledsam and Keir Starmer. That show has already sold out. And on the 2nd of June, Jess Phillips and Esther McVeigh. So, every single one of those guests is brilliant in their own right. And I've been very lucky I've been able to curate evenings where you've got a Labour and a, and a Tory on each night and obviously they're all you know different on leave remain and all different things so it's, it's a really good balanced thing but the one thing they all have in common is they are brilliant characters really good talkers all with different personalities and so I just I mean for me as a political geek it's just you know I can't wait, Bosh. I mean, I'm, I'm genuinely still... That thing I said about Gary Neville earlier, being able to be articulate when he's passionate, I can't do it. I just lose my mind. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. And where, where can people go and get tickets to go and see this? So if you go to mattford.com slash live, um, then you can get tickets for all those shows on there. Um, but, oh, but, oh, mate, even just thinking about it, the hairs on my arms are standing up now, just thinking about doing gigs again. I know, it's going to be... Oh, and, I mean, you've got an, and another amazing thing you've got going on is... Uh, and this this looks fantastic. Your new podcast uh, with Wandery, the British Scandal podcast. Tell us a little bit about that, because there's something fantastic about a British scandal. There's something unique, isn't there, about the scandals we have over here? I think Britain is the perfect country for scandal. Because, so, firstly, this podcast is is made by Wondery and it's co-hosted by Alice Levine and I. Yeah. And each series we look at a different British scandal. So, series one that's just been released at the moment is the murder of Alexander Litvinenko. Now, people will remember that story and people will remember that picture of him in his hospital bed and they'll remember that Putin was involved in everything. There are details in that story. And what's great about doing a podcast series like this is you can go into detail about the story. And there was a load of stuff I hadn't picked up at the time and a load of stuff I'd forgotten since. And the twists and turns in that tale. I mean, just the headlines are incredible enough anyway and heartbreaking. But the detail when you get into it is out of this world. So, I mean, it's. I think there's something unique about Britain for, for scandals because we're seen as the kind of keeper of the rules of the international order, really. People still look to Britain. <laughs> this may <Yeah>. baffle us, <laughs> given events of the last few years. <laughs> but the world still looks to Britain to kind of take a lead on rules. You know, we, we play by the rules. It's the British way. And, of course, we have a very long history, um, both of being scandalous ourselves and, and having scandals happen here. So, in a way, Britain is the perfect place because we are still at the heart of the international order, but we have a, a history of hypocrisy stretching back, you know, generations, which means there are all different types of scandals of all shapes and sizes involving all different types of people. So these stories yeah. are just... The, I mean, the, the Litvinenko thing is is unbelievable in that how um, uh, how disorganised and 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 essentially crap they were in terms of being assassins and having a few goes at it and getting it wrong and how dangerous and uh, you know what I mean they, they they didn't care about the the collateral damage that they were doing to other people in when they attempted it the first time and then they emptied the rest of it down the toilet in the hotel they were staying in and that was obviously contaminated as well as and then just jumped on the plane and went home it was just it's just unbelievable isn't it. It is surreal. I mean, it is obviously at the heart of it is this tragedy that Litvinenko was was poisoned and murdered and, and murdered in such a horrible, sick way. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. These two are a pair of clans, and I never knew this about Lugovoy and Kovtun. Is that was like the third attempt on his life because they kept spilling it everywhere. Yeah, it's just and unbelievable. This stuff, isn't it? 
It's 250 billion times more potent than cyanide. And they're just carrying it around in like their, their jacket pocket. They get it everywhere. It's basically all over London. And it's not just the risks they took with other people's lives. They were so cavalier with their own safety. And it's a, it sounds like a fantastic podcast. And like you say, there's something amazingly British about a scandal. It's all kind of bowler hats and Whitehall and umbrellas with poison in the end of them and all that kind yes. of thing. It's like brilliant kind of British scandal. Other British scandals you might want to look at, uh, Matt, Price of Cinema Pick and Mix. Don't know if you <laughs> and Alice can have a little look into that for us. <laughs> Mate, what is... That is hyperinflation. That is like... Pre-war Germany hyperinflation. It is. You almost have to take like a, a, a sport, 70s sports hold all stuff with money if you want to go and yeah, buy yeah. any food in the cinema. It's outrageous. Wheeling your wages in a wheelbarrow <laughs> just to buy some iced mice. <laughs> what, 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 what's it come to? Uh, one final <laughs> thing, uh, and this is something very exciting about the Euros coming. Of course, the, the amazing Chris Kamara has signed up to be part of the uh, rock and roll football uh, team uh, during the Euros. Have you... What's your previous with Cammy, have you got a good uh, impression of him in the locker going forwards with this? Oh God, can I do it? I mean, I, I've never tried a Cammy impression before, but I think if you just go, did he, Jeff? Unbelievable, Jeff! <laughs> it's almost like a kind of Scooby-Doo, that one. That's pretty Not good. Cammy, but he's amazing. You know, he is one of football's great eccentrics and he's so funny and lovable. So it's massive for Absolute to get him through the Euros because I think you know, there are different types of pundit. And one thing we try and do in rock and roll football is, is it's a football show for people who like football, but it's also a show for everyone else as well. Yeah. And football um, has some truly, as the, you know, as we've said, bizarre, bonkers stories and some real eccentrics involved. And obviously, Cammy's a massive part of that. Uh, and it's going to be fantastic. And fingers crossed we're going to do okay in the Euros. Uh, Matt, as ever, amazing to speak to you. Thank you so much. And we hope uh, the gout disappears soon and you're, you're back to full health. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Always a pleasure. Take care. Thank you very much. 